Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This post-race show is supported by PNW Components and Muckoff, and we've got a great competition and a discount code for you coming up. Muckoff is the original bike cleaner invented way back in 1994. That was just the start and Muckoff now have a full range of products to help you clean, protect and lube your bike. Because after all, a clean bike is a happy bike. By using a combination of their awesome nanotech bike cleaner, bio drive train cleaner, bike protect and the right lube for the weather conditions, you're going to have a bike that runs better, faster and lasts longer. And let's face it, you don't want to be replacing parts right now because they are so hard to get hold of. You'll even find that by using bike protect, you'll not only get that pro looking finish, but you'll stop any corrosion and the mud's going to have a harder time sticking to your bike. So it's going to save you carrying that additional weight on a ride or even a race run. So show your bike some love and check out the muck off range. My bike literally looks brand new after the muck-off treatment. To give you a chance to try the muck-off range, they're kindly offering 20% off to all Downtime listeners. All you need to do is to use the code DOWNTIME20, that's DOWNTIME, all uppercase, followed by the number 20, at the checkout on muckoff.com. It's a single use per customer, so make sure you make the most of it. It doesn't apply to sale items, but it covers everything else, so head to muckoff.com and see what you need. Muckoff are also giving away a bike-specific pressure washer bundle, and all you have to do to be in with a chance to win one is to head to answer one easy question over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash muckoff. That's M-U-C-O-F-F. So head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash muckoff now and get entered. You've got until the end of June to get it done. With a range handlebar, PNW Components have set out to design a bar that works perfectly with the move to longer reach and wider bars. They've chosen a 10-degree back sweep and a 5-degree up sweep to give the range handlebar a more ergonomic riding position. It's going to be easier on your shoulders and it reduces wrist fatigue. They've combined that with a compliant 2014 aluminium, which resembles carbon fibre's chatter-absorbing qualities, but a much more wallet-friendly price. Add in a 30mm rise and the PNW Components range handlebar creates the perfect blend for your most demanding rides. And unlike most things in the bike industry right now, they're actually in stock and available, ready to go. So head to pnwcomponents.com now and find out more. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen. There's a button I suspect that says follow or subscribe, so hit that now. It's free, it means you'll get every episode as soon as it drops. If you can't find the button, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe, where I've got links to all the major platforms there to help you. I'd also really love it if you could give me a follow on my Instagram or Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. This weekend was the first World Cup race of the season in Leergang, Austria, and it didn't disappoint. It was super exciting, and I'm going to be sitting down with Elliot Jackson and Nico Mullally to find out what went on. So, without further ado, here's Elliot and Nico. All right, it was a, an exciting first race of the season in Leergang, Austria, and I'm joined as ever by Nico Mullally and Elliot Jackson to chat a bit more about what went down. Elliot, um, how was it for you, like first time back at a race in, in quite a long time? And uh, let's face it, I think you look pretty excited from what I saw. Yeah, it was, it was so good. There were so many things to be excited about because it was the first time I had traveled out of the country in like 18 months, I guess, since the last European world cup. Um, and I've been saying all quarantine, like, Oh yeah, I don't really miss people. And it's been great. Like whatever. And then I got here and saw my friends and I was like, this is great. I love it. You know? So that was really cool. And then I, um, I've been doing like so much kind of, I would say presenting, but like just presentations for the growth stuff and, um, lots of other kind of videos where I've been talking. So I felt like I had actually improved 
on my presenting skills over quarantine. Um, And I think that was true. Like I, I did the practice video. It was funny. The, the intro to it, I kind of watched back and I look super dead. (laughs) (laughs) I think as the, uh, as we got down the track and started talking to riders, I kind of got like more excited and it really went really well. Um, and then got to do some interviewing with the riders kind of after qualifying and finals like I normally did. And so we, we had this new kind of, they put all the broadcasters, they want to use them a little bit more for Red Bull TV. So I did these two pieces, one that was recorded for the pre-show and one that was, or like I did live for the post-show and it was on this thing called the AccuPaint or something like that. And it was like, uh, when you see the other sports, like they can draw on the screen and all that stuff. So I analyzed one of Troy's, um, like kind of him doing riding in the mud and kind of explain like he's breaking early and he's picking up over the roots and like he's doing this and doing that. And I felt like they had a couple of things like that, that tried to elevate the, um, the show a bit. They, uh-huh. they had that and then they had like the drone. Um, and it was really cool. And it was the first time. So when I did it live on the post show, like it was the first time I had done anything live and been like practicing like the lines and stuff I was going to draw. And right when, you know, I came on, like I, I kept like fast forwarding and rewinding past the part I, I had to go. So I just had to like kind of wing it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a bit nerve wracking, but I, I think it'll get like better and better. And it was definitely exciting to to get to do something new and I'm excited to kind of go into the commentary booth with, with Rob and Leger. So it'll be yeah, good. Not, it, was, it was a great week. Not long to go. Yeah. That'd be exciting. I'm looking forward to that. And that was the first time you've seen all the changes to the track, right? It's the first time you've seen the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, ha- I wasn't here for worlds. Um, so got to, got to walk it and it was, it was just interesting kind of hearing the riders perspectives over the week where it rained, I guess it was pretty wet, um, on track walk. I didn't do track walk on Wednesday, but, um, yeah, but like everyone was like, yeah, it looks pretty good. And then Thursday it rained and it was, everyone was like, oh my God, this is like worlds. Like, you know, it's, it's almost unrideable, et cetera, et cetera. And then it started to dry out and kind of like qualifying day was, was pretty, pretty wet still. Like kind of started raining. And then, you know, my finals, it was super dry, but it was just so steep. And I think it made it hard because you had these really steep sections to flat section. So it was kind of like steep to flat. And if you made it a mistake and the transitions in between the steep sections and the flat sections, there was always something really difficult. So it would either be like a big rut or root or like something technical. And if you messed that up, then you would lose speed on those flat sections. Um, and so I think that's why it was a little bit more difficult than a typical steep section because sometimes when it's just steep you can just let off the brakes when you make a mistake whereas here you let off the brakes on the flat flatter section um and you wouldn't go anywhere so it was yeah it was wild it was really difficult and i think it was probably it was definitely a lot more difficult than it looked on tv fair play a hell of a track yeah nico what did you think then on on track walk because there was a few changes from uh from the world champs track nothing major i don't think um and conditions certainly for track walk anyway were a little bit better than they had been at worlds what were what were you thinking 
Yeah, it, it definitely looked a lot better. And it was sunny and warm that day when we walked the track. They had gone through and like filled in all the deep holes in the bottom woods and made the ruts a little bit more mellow from last year at Worlds. So it looked like it was going to run a lot better and the dirt was looking really nice too. Um, they like opened up a few sections like coming onto the motorway where there was that gnarly triple stump jump last year. They opened that up so, so riders could carry more speed onto the motorway. And just anything that was like really make or break last year, they kind of fixed up. And it looked like it was going to work a lot better. And, and a lot of the stuff did. But then with the amount of rain that we got Wednesday night into Thursday for the first practice and that stuff that they had fixed still being soft, like I think the bike park only opened a week or two ago and World is in October, so really nobody's ridden it. It's been soft since then. Um, and then with some rain on it, it just got the same way it did at World. So it was pretty technical and, and a lot worse than we expected it to be after walking the track. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it didn't take long for the weather to start playing havoc with things with those afternoon thunderstorms and evening thunderstorms. How do you approach that? Because the, the conditions, like it kind of looked like they were changing a lot throughout the week. You're, you're looking for lines, you're looking for bike setup, but everything is constantly changing around you. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, I, I think, yeah, for sure it's tough, but you just have to remind yourself that it's tough for everybody and everybody's struggling with it. You're not the only one out there. And, uh, and just try to find really a good consistent line in some of that stuff. Try to think about how it's going to be if it dries out, um, how one line might work better if, um, if it doesn't, cause it was raining off and on that whole first practice day. So to think about for qualifying, like, Hey, if it doesn't rain for a couple hours, what's it going to be like? Maybe another line will run better, um, when it starts to tack up and you kind of had to have like two running plans, like in the, in the wet, what's a good idea, where's the good place to go. And then, um, if, if it starts to dry up, maybe something else works a little better. But the main thing through that bottom section was to just keep momentum. Like it's so much easier to balance on your bike when it's moving quicker. Um, and you're not constantly decelerating and accelerating if you can keep just a consistent speed it, it was actually physically a lot easier and easier to ride too so um easier said than done but that was the i think the ticket through there i um was wondering about that like the bike setup because it was almost like two totally different tracks like especially in finals where at the top you would have wanted to run like one setup and at the bottom you would have run wanted to run another setup did you how did you kind of figure that out throughout the week well i didn't change my suspension too much because even though it was so slippery and and slow in there there was still some big compression so i didn't try to run like a softer than normal setup or anything like that um but as it dried out at the top um i think i, I went with dry tires for my qualifying run just because at the bottom, it didn't like one tire wasn't a whole lot better than the other. Like no matter what you were on, it was going to be slippery and and muddy. Uh, but at the top, it was kind of sketchy to run a spike tire because it was so hard packed and fast up there. So um, that was kind of the question. I, I saw some people like switching to dry tires earlier than others, and even on like race day, some people I saw at least in practice were still on a cut spike or a shorty or something. Um, but I think that was probably the biggest change was people weren't sure what tire to be on. And, and then, yeah, maybe for race day, once it dried up and it hadn't rained for a day or two and the holes were deep, but also getting harder, it was probably tough to make that adjustment for the race run 
if they wanted to go stiffer with the bike or, or anything like that. What, how was the woods developing? Because it looked like there were some big ruts forming. Does that help because it sort of gives you something to aim for and get in and, and use to make turns? Or is it making life harder because the ruts get deeper, you, you risk catching pedals, all that sort of stuff? Like, How do you approach the, that development of the track? Are you trying to, you're trying to find a rut that works. You're trying to stay out of them. Like, are you getting creative? How, how, do you, how do you plan your way through all that? Um, I'd say it changed as the conditions changed when it was, when it was really thick and, and muddy, you kind of just had to go with the flow a little bit more and not try to straight line stuff or try to, um, fight the bike too much. You could probably have a better run, just kind of following the main rut. Um, if there was an option, you kind of had to choose which one was better for your strategy and, and just let the bike flow and not try to fight it. And then once it got drier, there was definitely some that were, deeper than others and some that you wanted to avoid so there it was a tough course because there was when it dried out there was actually multiple lines which was super cool i think that's how they planned it and then just never really worked out at worlds last year earlier in the week but some of the lines like both of them were bad like you either got a better catch with a flat exit that you like compressed into or you had like a off camber slow shorter line on the inside and it, it was tough i i watched uh, race day morning practice and uh, g- guys were making both work and a lot of guys were getting caught out on both as well so it was it was tough and um yeah you just kind of i think it suited different people's styles better like i watched danny come through and just slap the ruts on the outside and um i watched Cade do the same thing and just carry tons of momentum and then I watched some other riders, uh, some like lighter guys, like maybe Troy, um, a, a bunch of other guys too. Reese was doing more insides and just carrying more speed and and uh, just running a shorter line. So it just depends on the riding style. Um, but yeah, the ruts are helpful to a point, and then they get so deep that they're bogging you down, and uh, you just gotta choose the right one and try to keep the bike rolling through them. Yeah. Elliot, where, where was most of the puzzling taking place? Were there certain hotspots on the track that were kind of key where a lot of people were stopping and watching and getting team members there, like filming and stuff? Where, where were the hotspots? Yeah, I think that that stump section out in the open was like a hotspot when it was wet, I, which is, I think is interesting because like once it dries up, uh, I think it's pretty straightforward it's one of those things where it's like almost impossible to ride when the roots are wet. And then once it dries, you're just like, Oh, it's like no worries kind of thing. And then, um, coming into the woods as well. So you had those, those different ruts coming into the woods and then you had that hop that everyone was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that first day of practice, it was just, it was so difficult. Like it was impossible. It looked like, um, and it was, it was really interesting too, because, you know, like Nico was saying, they didn't do a bunch of track work. So that main big rut was still there from worlds. Um, and you had kind of a couple of different options where riders had, had actually transitioned outside of that in practice, it was really slippery and loose. Um, but what they were trying to do is like go really wide and then just go straight as long as possible, um, and set up for that gap. Because if you could make it in finals um, where everyone was landing, if you could make it to there, 
you were kind of home free. But right before that, there was a bunch of routes and it was really difficult to make it there in practice, like set there for a while. Um, and, and not really many people did it. I think Aaron actually did the other line in finals, which was to kind of go way inside by the tape and then catch the catch berm uh-huh. um, afterward or like on the outside of that hop. Yeah, I think him and, and Loic both one of those did that. Ones. Yeah, did Loic do it too? Yeah. Yeah. And it was. it seemed like it was one of those ones where it would be, it was like a line that was really good throughout the whole week. And then once it dried out, like you really wanted to be on that other line, but like maybe you hadn't tried it in a bit or like just hadn't adjusted. It was like maybe like a race, race day or even a race run kind of adjustment you would have had to make because it was just so much drier, um, like in finals run than like any other time. But yeah, I I think those two spots were like pretty interesting. And then like Nico was saying, there was kind of two lines at least in all the sections that were viable. And I, I thought it was cool. Like even watching in finals, you saw people doing different lines and, and they all worked. Like it wasn't like one line was faster than the other. It's like Nico was saying, it's like kind of a personality thing. Like, do I want to rail or do I want to just like kind of nibble or like, what, what do I like to ride? And that's what you should do. Yeah. Rail and, and nibbling like 50 to one. <laughs> <laughs> that that entrance to the woods as well is like it's a big change because you're coming off super high speed motorway kind of out of the bike park suddenly you're into ruts but you've also got that transition in light i guess because you're going from fairly bright sunny day like into the woods is that is that an issue nico like how does that affect your visibility when you when you're changing light conditions into such a, a kind of technical part of the track yeah, that's something that we have to deal with a lot, actually. On, on most courses, we have that issue. Um, I ran, like, I've been using a blue lens. I use the Fox goggles, and the blue lens works well because it kind of flattens the light and makes the shadows a little bit brighter and kind of takes away some of the contrast. So I, I've liked that, but it's it's something that, yeah, all the riders have to deal with. And a lot of times in the forest as well, it's it's almost trickier when the light's shining through the trees and it's also roots and rocks and the trail's rough and it becomes harder then to see like what's a shadow and what's a hole and what's a rock. Um, <laughs> at least here, once you got into the woods, they were thick enough that it was all the same kind of light. Yeah. Fair play. If someone who's, uh, whose practice didn't quite go so well was Flo Paye, who um, got a hit in the balls by a course post um, and had to have emergency surgery, which sounds pretty horrible. So, yeah, healing vibes out to flow. I hope everything's okay. Have, has anyone heard from him, Elliot? Have you seen him around the pits at all since that? Yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him at the pits, like after the race, and he looked uh, pretty shaken up, as you yeah, would man. be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and is there? There's talk of him coming back for like, is it Leisure? I think he was hoping to be back racing. I, I think um, he said like eight weeks, like I'm sure it's who knows kind of what will happen or whatever, but um seemed like it was like around two months or something like that, that, that the doctor said, uh-huh. um, but. Fair play. Well, all the best to, uh, all the that best story to made me nauseous, dude. I, I couldn't listen to that when they were telling me about <laughs> what happened. I was like, I got, I can't listen to this anymore. But 
I don't know what's through. <laughs> I'm out of it. I don't know why, but Fair I thing. can't hear about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, Fair too much. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, it gives you the feels that one. It's not in a in not a good way for sure. It's a bummer for Flo though because he's had a rough go. Like the past couple of years, he's had like a big injury that's put him out at like one of the early races. And he's he's a really good rider. And when he when he does put a good run together, he's he's normally up in the top ten or close to it. So hopefully he can get this one behind him and get the bad luck behind him and get back on track. Yeah, I think he he was saying he ended last season in hospital and he started this season in hospital. So yeah, fingers crossed he's due for some good luck for sure. But I want to talk a little bit about time training, Nico, because it's the first time for quite a while that you've all been together against the clock. I know there was the not a race stuff in Schlabming, but not everyone was there and it's not a race, et cetera, et cetera. Like, does it have more significance, the time training at the first race? Because it's that first time everyone's there and people can kind of choose to show their hands or not, or is it still just another like useful part of the week for you? I think because the conditions were so inconsistent this time, it wasn't as useful. Guys weren't willing to risk as much. It looked like it was going to get better weather through the weekend. And it was even during that two hour session, it was raining and then stopped and then sunny. So depending on what time you went for your run, you had a better shot at it. So I don't think guys, some guys for sure took it seriously and just were like, uh, you have to race no matter what the conditions are. So I'm going to do my time training no matter what the conditions are. But yeah, I think a lot of guys were like, ah, it's not really worth the risk in this weather and the track's going to change anyway. Um, I personally, I did one time training run and just to get the feel for how my body would be on a full run, how it would be going through some of those compressions and ruts at the bottom when I was tired, how it was coming off the motorway, um, where I could tuck and kind of catch a breath. So I did it for that reason, but, um, I was, yeah, I got down and I was like, man, I made a bunch of mistakes in the woods. I could go and do a much faster one, but I didn't feel like it was going to really mean much because the track was going to change the next day anyway. So maybe for that reason, a couple other guys were in the same mindset, but if it had been just a normal dry world cup or maybe the track from 2019, the, the old Leo gang track it would have been more important to see where you stuck up, see where you stack up and see um, what you can learn from the time training. Um, man, you know, what's been interesting for me is really the conversations after riders come down. Um, because I feel like when people are on one, they are just so relaxed. Like, Troy from the very beginning of the weekend was just, he just was so comfortable and confident. Everyone else in practice that I talked to was like, Oh my God, this is like survival. This is so gnarly. Um, I don't even know what's going on. Like they need to fix the track, like all of this stuff. And then Troy was like, Oh, this is great. Like I was like, yeah, people have kind of been complaining or whatever. He's like, what, why are they complaining? Like everyone used to complain that, you know, uh, Leo Gang was bike parky and now they make it not bike parky and like what's going on and you also had Amari who won time training and I talked to him um, and I think he really needed that one for himself because it seemed like he was a little bit nervous to know where he was right like like coming back from an injury um, and I 
I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's like the first time he's been out after he's been the Amari that we know, kind of like after he came on form, like that was his first injury. And I feel like even though he's been injured a bunch of times over his career, it was kind of like, can I come back and do it again? Like, what is this going to feel like and stuff like that? So I think he, he went for it and he was kind of surprised, relieved, like all of that um, when he came down and like was on pace. So I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. And then same for like the women, like Nina, <laughs> Nina, like came down and did a run and was just like so frustrated and like didn't want to go back up and was just like, I'm done for the day. And then she made herself go back up and, and do another run. She was like, okay, like that, that feels better. So there was, it was definitely like a mental battle. I think this whole week where you had to get into it, like you, whatever you, you wanted to do and when, in whatever way, like you just had to get your, you had to get in like some sort of positive mindset because if you didn't come race day, like you were kind of behind, it felt like. Yeah. I think Reese is another one, like every piece of coverage I saw in the lead up to the race with Reese Wilson, he had a big grin on his face, seemed super happy to be there, confident, a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And I think he admitted afterwards that he was feeling that, but yeah, he seemed to to have the mindset and feel yeah happy to be there. It's a super challenging one. And, and obviously when qualifying comes around because of everything that went on last year, there was a lot of riders who I guess we'd normally expect to be protected who, who weren't. Um, and the conditions weren't the best and it's not the most straightforward of tracks for sure these days. Nico, how, how does that impact things? Like how do you approach qualifying when, you know, you want to get through into that final, you, you're not protected does that does that change things? Does it play with your mind a bit? Yeah, whenever I've been protected in the past, it's almost like you have nothing to lose in the qualifying run. Um, sometimes you can even ride it with more risk than your race run because, and not like risk in the in the sense that you do something super dangerous, but maybe in a section where if you slide out and have a mistake or or you're not afraid to push it a little harder and find the limit. Um, there's some points up for grabs, but if you have an issue, then you, you don't have anything to lose. Um, so definitely being protected is nice for that sense. And then all the rest of the guys are so fast now and, and the field is as big as it's been in a couple of years at this race. So, and it's since we cut it to 60, I don't think it's been as big of a pro field. So, um, all the rest of the guys had to push it hard if they wanted to make it in. It wasn't just going to be a clean, conservative, easy run and, and guarantee to get in anymore. Yeah. And luck was not on your side, was it, on the, on this particular occasion? You had a, a chain issue, yeah? Yeah, I had a just a weird run. I was feeling pretty good that morning in practice. I kind of ticked off some of the gnarlier lines that I wanted to do and was building up to the day before. And was um, yeah, I was riding with Aaron and I was like, hitting stuff super well, um, like pacing off of him. I felt like I was almost hitting a couple things better, which gave me a little confidence. Um, and I was excited for it and then just had uh, just a bad run, like just a little bit of bad luck. I had the chain derail, um, on the motorway section, which, um, was tough to manage because it, it just popped off my chain ring and I couldn't pedal forward to get it to go back on. And if I backpedaled, it was, it was like jamming my cranks and I didn't want the cranks to jam because 
then I could be stuck in like a bad position in some of those steep sections. And I also didn't want the chain to jam in the wheel and cause it to lock up. And it was just stuff that I should not have been thinking about while I was riding that lower stuff or could really ride well with the situation. Like it was tough to not backpedal. If you've ever ridden something that's so steep and rutted like that to like not take a backpedal through a steep switchback was pretty tough to do and something you don't want to be thinking about while you're doing it. And, um, and then without being able to pedal some of those kind of awkward steep to flat sections, I just couldn't carry momentum tipped over, I think twice down there and just like small tip over in the dirt, quick get going again. And, um, yeah, I just ended up missing out by a few spots. I think it was like a second and a half off of quality, which I was obviously really disappointed. I don't come here to do that, but it wasn't like I put down a, a decent run and missed the cut. I was like something that was kind of out of my control. So, um, I could, I could accept it in that situation. Yeah. Lear gang seems to not be a track that you could win without a chain these days. It's definitely changed, isn't it? I mean, maybe some people, maybe Aaron Gwynn can still. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like that lower section too, like you, you think about it as being like a Valdesol or something like that, where you, it's steep and you don't have to pedal, but especially in qualifying, I think it would have been hard to go down that track in the lower bit and like not take some pedals because there was just like so much goop and and stuff like that that you needed to like hit a rut and then it would be so deep and then you would have to kind of pedal stuff like that i think you underestimate too sometimes you take like a pedal kick just to keep momentum or or even just like use the chain tension to balance like without having that it was a lot harder to balance on the bike um yeah it was just bad luck but um Anyway, that's it. Yeah, no, I mean, you were one of a few big names that, that didn't get through to the final, right? So Connor, Sam Blenkinsop, Dean Lucas. There's quite a few people that we would expect to be in that top 60 that didn't make it through. So it was a, a tough weekend for a lot of people, I guess. Yeah, and I think yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of those guys that n- normally would be protected or, or wouldn't have an issue and just... Um, there were so many, like I said, so many guys here wanting to qualify and uh, some of the guys who are ranked super low that know that they're not going to make it in unless they absolutely go for it. Uh, there's like a hundred of those guys and maybe even 25% of them get through with a clean run and it starts to fill up that 60 slots pretty quick. Yeah, there's a lot of depth in the field. It's pretty amazing. There's a, a couple of real highlights from qualifying that I want to touch on before we talk about the racing. It, it feels to me certainly like Valley Hole is kind of raising the bar in the women's racing this season. And, uh, you know, she showed that with a pretty impressive result in qualifying. She was a couple of seconds ahead of Pom Pom, who also seemed to be going super well. Elliot, did you chat to many of the other women after that qualifying session? And what was the what was the feeling? Because it must, it must be quite tough to kind of see valley step in and and put those kind of times in from the get-go but i guess it was expected as well yeah i didn't get to talk to any of them specifically about valley but yeah i i think (laughs) valley just has like this mindset that is she knows that she has a lot of time um and she wants everything to happen now obviously like she's so unbelievably competitive uh and you can kind of see that kind of saw that come through like after the finals and her crash and stuff. And, um, 
even just like having a conversation, she's kind of, she's got that, she's got that switch where she's super light, you know, can laugh and, and have fun. But then when it's race time or she's competing, it's like, boom, she's on and really focused. So I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like we all expected that to happen. Um, and then I know like Pom Pom, she, she was riding really well. Like, I think that she definitely was kind of on to give Valley a run for her money. Um, and then men like Cami Valanche, like she is just so good at riding steep stuff. Like it's pretty impressive how she's, it wasn't just like one of those things cause everyone crashed at worlds. Um, and it was kind of, kind of thought about like Miranda Miller when she won worlds. Um, but at the same time, I think now it's like, Oh, even if people didn't crash, I think she would have been right there and she kind of like showed that in qualifying in the wet track. So I thought that that was, uh, that was good. It was a really good women's race, but I do think it's, it's also kind of like changing. Um, you know, you have these new people coming in, which we haven't seen in so long, like Valley Camille, like, um, and then you have like Tawny who didn't have that great of a race. Uh, and we haven't seen that in the women's in so long. It's just like been, been these staple names that have been there forever. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely a lot of change going on in there. And then, and then in the men's, I mean, six seconds, Troy Brosnan, what's going on there? Like that is huge. And when it's been a while, I feel like since we've seen six seconds in a qualifier, that's got to mess with people a bit. I, I was thinking about this and like, I didn't, I didn't look up the stats, but the last time I remember this happening was like in Val de Sol when Aaron did that, like eight seconds or something like that. And it's, it's just so hard to do that now because like, where do you make up the time? And I think the other thing is, is like the tracks haven't been as gnarly as they have in the past where the times are, are like really tight. Um, or like we haven't had those like super sloppy mud races and stuff like that, that, that we may have had like back in the day. And, uh, yeah, I like expected him to, to do well. And I, I expected him to be like top three, but I didn't think that he would do that. I actually got to watch his qualifying run back and it was, it looked, he like made the track look like it was dry. Like it was so crazy impressive. Like it was really apparent how fast he was going. Um, but then so was Tebow, like Tebow, Tebow fell, um, in the qualifier and, uh, and had kind of had that like same amount of speed, uh, which was just like, yeah, it was insane. Next level. Yeah, yeah. Incredible stuff. So then, yeah, we roll around to race day and conditions were fairly different again. I guess it looked like it dried up quite a lot the, the times are certainly quite a bit quicker than the than the qualifying times which is normally the case but a, a fair chunk this time do you do anything differently nico when that sort of weather change is going on well, do you think riders will have been looking to change setup on either suspension or tire pressures because you know you're hitting things that bit harder going a bit faster or stick with what you kind of know from previous days i think most guys would have wanted to change a little bit um, definitely tire pressure if they were still on mud tires or intermediate like cut mud tires go to a dry tire um, I think most guys did that for the final 
or maybe even go a little bit stiffer with their suspension setup. Um, but then there's definitely a couple of guys who are just like ignorance is bliss. They just ride the bike. They set it up the same every time and make the adjustment themselves. So, um, yeah, I would say the right thing to do would probably be to change the bike a little bit, at least for the top half of the track. And then, um, the bottom half was, was a lot more consistent for the final as well. So, um, yeah, I think definitely most guys were on dries and probably up in pressure, at least in the tires. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about the women's racing first off. And, and Elliot, do you know why Nina Hoffman didn't race? I don't actually. No, okay. I'm, not, I'm not sure. Yeah. I saw she was a, like a DNS, but I, I hadn't heard anything anywhere. So I didn't know if she'd had a, like a concussion related hit or an illness or, or what, but okay. We'll have to see what I can find out. But yeah, I couldn't, couldn't find anything on that. Talk a little bit about Tani cause she, she's had a rough couple of years with, um, with injury and then I think you know things were going pretty well she was back on track but she had a neck issue like a muscular thing I think kind of leading into the first world cup which meant she had to miss some training I think was was pretty hard on her she sort of she seemed to struggle a bit to find her flow throughout the week did you did you get much chance to chat with her Elliot? yeah I didn't really get a chance to like you know have a good talk with her but every time I kind of interviewed her and just saw her around it was definitely like some confidence missing there. I think we, when you see Tani on, she's, she's on always, you know, it's, it's not like she's got a, she's got a confidence about her in the pits, like around the track. She's like happier. Um, I think she's maybe just like struggling a bit, you know, with just like all of that stuff, right? Like you coming in injured, you probably like, I know she wasn't feeling super ready, super prepared, like just having that, like sometimes you come into a season and you're just like feeling it. Like, you know, you've done everything right. Training went crazy good. You're feeling good on your bike. Um, and I think it's hard to come into a season and not feel like that. Cause you know, other people are. Um, so yeah, it just, it just felt like she wasn't quite on, I guess this week. Yes. Yeah, shame to see, but, uh, yeah, fingers crossed a few more races into the season and she starts to to find a swagger a bit more. I'm sure it'll, sure it'll come back. And someone that I, I thought looked really impressive this weekend was Miriam Nicole. Like her riding looked incredible. And I, I guess, I mean, not really a weakness, but an area where she struggled in the past is, is jumping. She's had some bad in- injuries in the past on jumps. And I think that's meant that she's kind of ridden around some of the bigger features at a couple of events in, in the past, which fair play to her. She's taken the sensible decision and healed but it looks like this off season she's been putting a lot of graft in on that side of things and uh it was it seems to have paid off like she was hitting the big gap out of the woods and just she just looked incredibly confident on the bike like really powerful yeah no i i totally agree i know she was riding at uh the perion's bike park and they have like a big jump section there uh that she was hitting i saw like a ton ton of videos in the off season of her doing that and that gap at the bottom was big. Like it wasn't, it's not small. And I think the gnarlier part about it was there was this turn before that had all of these kind of diagonal roots in it. Um, and it didn't really have a rut. So you, you had to just like commit to it and then really get some good pumps or pedals to even make it in. So the women kind of like getting that one earlier in the weekend was pretty impressive. And then, like you said, from, from Miriam to, 
to kind of like conquer that fear of the jumps was was great. And she's always she's she's always really good on the on the seep stuff. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's it's uh, it's good to see her becoming more all around, which is funny to say because she's been around for so long. But it's one of those things where I think sometimes you increase your skill level in certain areas. You'll end up being like, oh, I'm pretty good at jumping, so let me increase the, my, my like steep skill or like flat turns or whatever, and then that ends up becoming a strength. And then you have to go back and get better at jumping or get better at turns or, or whatever it is. So yeah, it's uh, kind of like I was saying about Tani. Um, it's kind of the totally opposite, right? Like if Tani wasn't feeling good, like Pom Pom's feeling insane. Yeah. I thought Pom Pom looked a lot stronger on the bike than she's ever had. Like I saw her come through the bottom woods a couple times and I was like, which common saw rider is that? <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was Pom Pom. She was like properly shoulders up, like arms up, really strong looking on the bike. And I think she's been working on that a lot since she had her injury two years ago. Um, I think it showed really well in her riding. So um, obviously a bummer that she had some crashes in her race run, but um, I think it's going to turn out to be a good battle this year between her and some of the other women. Yeah. And someone that I didn't quite hit the mark that I, I would expect was Marin Cabaru. Like she, my memory of her riding from the last season or two is that she's like quite an aggressive, quite full on rider. And it, that aggression did, I don't know. It just didn't look to me watching it from home, admittedly on the TV. It just didn't look like the same level of aggression that, we normally see from her what what do you guys think every time i saw her it, it felt like she kind of like flew under the radar this week for me um like i didn't it, like i didn't see her in practice and be like oh she's not looking good but then i didn't see her in practice and think like oh man she looks insane um kind of like results wise or t- time wise especially and um yeah it, it felt like it was just kind of like a just an average week where she didn't do anything crazy. Um, it's not like she had a terrible result or anything, but yeah, it just wasn't, like you said, wasn't that same woman that we saw last, last two years, really. Yeah. I couldn't work it out because every, all the kind of interviews that I saw with her, she seemed pretty upbeat and quite happy. Like it didn't, she didn't seem to be like she was particularly struggling, but yeah, that just, that level of aggression just seemed to be turned down a couple of percent. And it, I'd, yeah, I don't know. Be interesting to see how she progresses through the season and maybe turns the wick up a bit. Cause I don't know. What do you think, Nico? It's going to be pretty hard to beat Valley if she can continue to put down kind of consistent runs. Or do you think some of the other top women are, are up there and, and we'll be able to take that, that battle on? Um, I mean, I definitely think she's the Valley's going to raise the bar, but um, I, honestly, when I saw her drop in on the bottom woods, I watched the race from the bottom and I was like, well, now she's going to put, 10 seconds into these girls just by riding the section as she normally would. And she didn't, she was like the same, the same gap going into the woods as the, as she came out. So, um, obviously the other girls were able to keep pace with her through there. So I think it'll be on, on some of these other courses, but they're going to have to, they're definitely going to step their game up to compete with Valley, but I think it's good. It, it kind of mixes things up in that, in that, uh, category and, and hopefully uh, we see some tight racing later this year. Yeah, that's it's so interesting too because I interviewed her after the race and um, 
you know, she was like super upset. And I was like, you know, take me through what happened. Like, was it a lapse of focus or just, you know, something happened or whatever. And she was like, oh, it's just going for it. Like I was going for it until the end. So it's not, and I think that kind of mindset as well is different than a lot of the other women, but also to Nico's point, like, it's not like she was holding back or, you know, that she was taking it easy or trying to be safe and whatever, like that was, that was as fast as she could go. Um, so I do think it, it says something about that. The other thing too, is like the amount of pressure. So it's like first elite race, like you are the superstar, you're like pretty much a legend already. Um, it's your hometown. Like the last time you raced, you at that place, like qualify first, then crash the last practice run. You qualify first again, last woman down the hill, um, like family, like all of this stuff. So it was also something to be said about like being able to handle that. And maybe that is what caused the crash, but that's uh, definitely no joke. Yeah, it's going to be super cool to see how uh, how she progresses this season and how it compares to the rest of the field. I want to talk a little bit about the world champs curse because it's something we hear a lot about. Like often people take the world champs, turn up in the stripes and then it all starts going wrong. Um, and I think, you know, they spend a lot of that off season having to fulfill their sponsor and media commitments as newly crowned champions. And that can take a lot of time and a lot of focus away from training and racing. And, you know, both Camille and Reese turned up this year and uh that that curse doesn't seem to be present i was wondering do you think like with everything going on with the restrictions with covid and things do you think that's helped kind of keep camille and and reese away from all of that attention and allow them to focus on training what what do you think nico because they see they both went really well i'm sure it probably did that a little bit but i think the biggest factor is that they won the world championship on this track because they're good at riding this type of thing and they just came and did the same thing again this weekend yeah fair comment and camille's run looked pretty faultless to me and uh, apparently she didn't crash all week which uh, <laughs> i can't imagine many riders are able to say that from this week elliot hey eh? Yeah, man, like it, she, <laughs> she has some confidence. I love it. Like she's got some swagger now. Uh, she's cause she's like one of the, the top women. It's, it's really great. But I, and I think, you know, talking to them, I guess talked to both of them, like, uh, before the podium and was talking to Reese about like how good, right. It must've felt to back that up because it was one of those ones where, so many people had a little asterisk by it where it's like, Oh, it was super wet conditions. And like, you know, maybe some people crashed and like, blah, 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 blah. And so now not only like Reese backed it up with the podium and, and Cammy backed it up with, uh, with the win. And so it was like, okay, like not many people crashed, especially in the men's, like nobody crashed or anything. Um, and it was dry. So I mean, dry enough. Um, so I think it was probably as probably a bit motivating throughout the whole off season to be like, no, I want to, I want to prove that I do deserve to be in the rainbow Jersey. Yeah. Unique rainbow Jersey circumstances, I guess. Yeah. Last year that, that left questions out there. And I think both of them have come out and answered those questions pretty comprehensively at the first round. So it was good to see. And so another person who uh, we touched on earlier, but was coming back from a pretty nasty injury and basically two years away from World Cup racing is Amri Piron. 
I think it's fairly safe to say that that injury hasn't affected him too much. <laughs> what do you guys think? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, he looked super fast, super committed, as always, classic Amari style all weekend. Um, I mean, he showed it in, in all of his timed runs and just the way he was riding that whole bottom section. He was really strong down there. Um, I talked to him for a little bit after his race and I was like, hey, do you think um, if you went an hour later while the sun was baking down on this track, it would have been maybe two seconds quicker? And he was like, oh, no, no, I don't want to claim that or anything. But I, I do think it makes a little bit of a difference. Um, the dirt changes pretty quick, um, even if you're riding it during a practice session and you wait another hour. It sometimes can run a, a lot better. So I think I, I thought the win was going to come from one of the top 10 guys just because it looked like the course was drying out and looked like especially that thick stuff at the bottom was going to be better the later you could go. And those top 10 guys were, were the quickest guys. So I thought Amari was kind of up against it with um, having a look. I think he crashed in his quality run and, um, and starting just earlier. But um, yeah, he rode awesome. And um, his comment when I talked to him was that he just left too much time at the top. I think the other guys were, two or three seconds up on him going into the woods and, and he rode the woods. Awesome. I think better than anybody else. He probably had the best split down there, but um, yeah, he just thought he left too much time at the, at the top section. Fair play. And he's on that, uh, that new Commensal. Elliot, does anyone apart from the Commensal engineers understand how that thing works? <laughs> it was funny. I was talking to, to Yannick Commensal. Like he was like, yeah, I used to try to, um, you know, understand the bikes and stuff like that. And he's like, now I just, I just don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> he's like, I just let the engineers and the riders like do their work and like create this great bike. Um, and I was, I think that's interesting that they are already building a new bike. And so I asked Yannick, you know, I was like, you feel like you guys had the best bike pretty much, or like definitely a competitive bike. Um, he was like, yeah, but like you have to keep working like you can't, um, you can't stop because, you know, the riders aren't stopping. So we have to, to, um, keep going. And I, I think the other thing I thought was interesting was that he was just saying how important the race program was for their brand. Like when Amari started winning, he was like, man, the sales just blew up, you know, uh, the last couple of years, like pink bike does some survey, I guess, just like a, account um of the bikes at opening day at whistler mm. and he was saying just from like 2017 it's just like shot up with common saw so they really believe in racing and it's really working for them um and i think showing that that bike is so capable because man even the riders like a couple of years ago were like man that thing's a cheater bike like the magic <laughs> carpet like all this stuff so um yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's cool to have a brand that is, you know, when so many brands are kind of shying away from racing, they're like full in, like they're not divesting. You kind of see that, right? They have three teams. <laughs> they had like an amazing week. They won the women's, they won the team overall. They got, you know, three riders on the podium and the men's like it's, yeah. It's you can't all in, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And Monica, right. In the women's. Um, so you had like multiple women on the podium as well so it's like yeah it's incredible the amount of tunability on that bike they must have a really 
some really good engineers and a really good relationship between the engineers and the riders, I think, to get those bikes in the sweet spot. Nico. Yeah, I talked to Angel a lot about it because he was testing it, um, I think, early on, maybe even more than the, the Muckoff team was. And he said he moved to Andorra and has been living there and testing. He said at one point he tested two weeks straight on the World Cup track. And he was like, by the end of the two weeks, I, I had to tell him I couldn't feel anything anymore because I'd just done too many <laughs> full runs. But he was telling me a lot about the bike and the development of it and the, the amount of links that they had to kind of just fine-tune everything and the adjustability. And um, it's pretty cool to see a brand that's that committed and, and also has the resources to be able to do that and get a bike together that's a purebred race bike um, think up a design that how are we going to make this thing better, um, highlight what the old bike was good at and try to bring up some of the weaknesses that that style of bike might have. Um, and obviously it paid off the, the guys, I mean, they're great riders. I'm sure they would have done great on the old bike too, but it worked out and I think gave them a little confidence and, um, yeah, it's just awesome to see. Max Cummins always had such a passion for racing that he'll kind of do whatever he can. Um, and that's awesome. We need more people like that in the sport. Yeah, so cool to see all the slightly different setups for the different riders as well. Like the brace on the seat stay brace on Pom Pom's bike was like way thinner than the seat stay brace on Amory's bike. And I know Angel and Amory have got like slightly different linkage stuff going on like yeah just the amount of resource and effort they're pouring into making everyone go as fast as possible is is really cool to see yeah fair play to to the team at common it's, it's awesome stuff matt walker's a rider that um was talked about a lot last season and a lot in the kind of run up to this season he came down the hill pretty early as well after uh kind of not so great qualifying but he looked strong during the week like he was he was putting some good times in and he's carrying all that momentum from 2020 but didn't really pan out too well for him. Like, what are your thoughts on that, Nico? Because he's come from that really strong mental position and, and a really strong performance and then kind of not managed to cash in on it. Is that going to hurt him, do you think, in the long run? You know, I don't really know how his run went because the, the course was so difficult that a lot of good guys could have had just a weird thing happen during their race run. Uh, Elliot, do you know, did you talk to him about his run or what, how it might have went? I didn't. I um, I was kind of thinking it, it felt like it's kind of in the same boat as as Marine, where I talked to Matt at the beginning of the week, and he seemed, you know, good, confident, like having a good time, he's in a good mindset. And then I felt like he just kind of fell off my radar a bit when everyone else just had stepped out or stepped up. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if anything went wrong or anything. It. I saw him working a lot with Will on the side of the track and. Will was pushing his bike up and making sure that they were on the fast line. Uh, so it seems like they've got a great relationship over there. And I mean, hopefully it's just a rough first race and something weird happened. And I mean, he's a great rider. He's super strong and fit and fast. So um, I would expect to see him turn it around and, and be back, you know, mixing it up in, in the top 10 at least. I mean, that's not a insult to the number one guy. There's just so many fast guys this year that uh to be in the top 10 it's going to be a tight battle for all of them so i'd expect him to turn it around yeah and, and i think <laughs> this race was it, it was so tight 
like even though Leo Gang, like the track was super difficult. Um, talked to so many people. Like I think Bernard said he got twenty something, or or maybe it was Luca, like in twenties or something like that. Um, and he was like three or five seconds off of a podium. Um, and so it was just like, yeah. And like to be somebody else, I think was like 15th and, and, you know, it's like two seconds or something like that. So it's, even though the track has gotten harder, uh, the times are still like super, super close, which I think goes to Nico's point. It was just like, it's hard now, or I mean, it's always been hard, but now it's just like crazy impossible (laughs) yeah it's the same like tight racing that we've seen but like elliot said i would expect with how hard and technical the track is that it would have separated out a bit more but no you throw everything at them and and the guys are still like stacking up right on top of each other in time so everybody's just so good all the bikes are good and yeah it's just tough to find a, a significant margin on somebody else right now yeah Another another top rider that didn't have much luck this weekend was Loris Vergier. That big off season move, but it, you know, it certainly doesn't seem to have slowed him down. Like he's learnt that bike, he's learnt the setup. Seems to be pretty comfortable there. But yeah, rolling down with the rear tire hanging off the bike is um, is never a good way to start the season. And has anyone got any insight, Elliot? Did you did you find out what went on there? Like it was, I didn't see many punctures like i didn't hear much going on was there were there other people struggling with that throughout the week i didn't see hardly anyone like i think i saw a random person roll down with the front flat but yeah i didn't really see anyone i i talked to reese a bit about that bike um and he was saying they've kind of been like you know developing it in in parallel a bit where you know last season obviously you're in parallel as in like you're racing on one bike and then you're kind of testing on another bike and you have this like really nice bike, um, racing wise, right? Like Reese did great. Charlie did great last year. Um, and then hopping on it. So I I don't think they've gotten like a whole lot of time on that bike. I don't think that that had anything like the bike had anything to do with the flat or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, Lars seems stoked on it, like seems stoked on the team. He seems like super comfortable in the pits, seemed like, you know, talking to him, he seemed like he was in a good mood and everything. So just one of those things that's like bad luck that can happen anywhere on the stupidest thing. <laughs> like, uh, it's just one of those things. Yeah, tough one. There's so many, yeah, so many interesting performances to talk about. I'm not sure kind of who to talk about and who to, who not to mention, but can't really not mention Danny because again that's a big big off season move fairly fairly big change onto that new Q program and and probably not quite the result that Danny would have wanted because he's a super competitive fella but considering all those changes that's a good start to the season isn't it Nico Yeah I think it was a good start for Danny um he looked like himself again out there through all the practice and qualifying was really good for him um he was just committed and and I think that track kind of suits him as well. So it's good to see him get back to the form that he was on, that we expect him to be on. I know last year was kind of a weird one for him, but um, considering all the team switch and everything, I thought it was a, a good opening round. He scored good points. Like if you add his quality points to his final position, it's a solid start, something to build from. And um, yeah, close, close to the other guys for the next couple of races. So um, I think he should be super happy with that. Yeah, 
Nice. I got Reese on my list. Like I think we talked about him a bit anyway, but yeah, good to see him backing up that performance at the end of last year. And that's going to do wonders for his confidence to con- sort of confirm to himself that he is one of the top guys and he can compete within that kind of top five riders. So yeah, that was really cool to see. And then another super top rider that we would always expect to see kind of on a podium is, is Loic, but he's got this heel injury from a couple of weeks ago out in Italy, I think a, a little preseason event out there. And I guess he's kind of in damage limitation mode, but that's something he's done well in the past, like after that Fort William crash a couple of years ago. And he, he, he seems to know what it takes to kind of get through and just harvest points as much as he can. So I guess I don't know, Elliot. Did you speak to to Loic after the race at all? Was he was he relatively happy with that? Or I think so. Like he's he's a he's a veteran by now. You know, like he knows how to manage the championship and and what it takes to win a championship. I think at this point. So he, uh, yeah, I know he wasn't super happy, but at the same time, you have to be one hundred percent. And and have like a stellar run to be up in that top five at this point. Uh, and it's interesting when we were talking about Danny. I was kind of thinking about the different riding styles from everyone. We used to think about Danny as being super wild and crazy, and now you watch Danny and he's actually really precise. Like you don't really ever watch his runs uh, like you used to. Um, and maybe it's just that other people have gotten more wild. Like when you watch Amari or you know Tebow especially I didn't know that he, I didn't know that he was like that. Like he came out of the start and was pedaling out of the first turn. Like most of the time you're like everyone else was breaking right there. Um, so that was, uh, that was really amazing to see like one of those run. It, it reminded me of Amari's Leger run, uh, in 19 when, you know, everyone else is really close in these splits and then Amari, uh, in Leger just was blowing everyone else out, of the wa- else out of the water. And it's kind of the same for Tebow uh, here last week where it was just incredible, like for him to be up three seconds at that top split where everyone else was super, super close was, was insane. And um, I'm, I'm glad he like stayed on his bike because yeah, good, good Lord. Yeah. So apparently that huck that he uh, ended up making just before the tunnel was a mistake. Like he mistimed, one of the jumps and uh, like some huge huck. What, what kind of speed are you doing through there, Nico? Yeah, it's super fast. Like you can't even pedal in your biggest gear. So you're, you're tucked. Um, but it is, I've actually did that one year. Like it, they change the rhythm up every year in the bike park. And there's some you jump, some you pump, some you double, some you triple. And the line gets burned in. But then once it bakes in the sun, it's not like a, burned in line you can see as much it's all gray and your heart rate's at the max and you can't see so i could totally understand how that happened but he pulled it off like that gap was huge if you go back and look at it and he totally jumped it by mistake and may have pulled it off in his race run so uh maybe that give him like an extra nudge of confidence where he's like wow if i can do that wait till i can get into this last wood section I, I feel like like that goes to show like how in the zone he was because I I was walking the track in practice and I I was like oh I wonder if you could make that and I was like no there's no way it's like way 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 too big and for him to be like riding down the track and like see that and be like 
huh, I don't remember this, but like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Might as well pull up for it. Yeah, he's going to be an exciting rider to watch this season because I, I, I would assume he's coming away from that with quite a lot of confidence, right? He, he got away with that. He probably would have taken the win if he hadn't had that stall in the woods, which, you know, these things happen, I guess. So, yeah, I can't, I can't see him slowing down at all. He's a super fast rider. The past, like last year, he came out of junior and on the podium in his first race, and he looked just so good all weekend. I, I kind of thought that he was going to pull the win off. If I mean, it was a little bit of a roll of the dice. I knew his run was going to be um, just extra committed. And if it wasn't for that bobble, for sure, he, he would have been a little faster and, and maybe enough to win. So um, he's going to be just, I think, the same style of Amari. Another guy like him on the same program, mixing it up at the front. I... Uh... I can't remember who it was that said it, but um, they were talking to Max, and he's like, "Where do you, where do you find these guys?" And he's like, "It's easier to make them than to buy them." <laughs> like it. That is a good quote. Well, another another rider on a commercial, and was this his first podium, Benoit Coulange? Has he been on the podium before? No, it was. Uh, it's been like I feel like it's been a long time coming. Where he's he's been around for a long time. Um, and he he was on the kind of up and up uh, a couple of years ago, and everyone was like, "Man, like this guy is just consistent. He's consistent in the top 20. Um, then he had a year. I don't know if he got injured. <laughs> he used to ride a, a belt bike back in the day, and um, then he got. I think he maybe got injured or just kind of had a, a, a couple of years where he wasn't there, and then he started, you know, right back up there, and. Um, it's one of those things where you'd be like, oh, like, where does this guy come from? But it, it goes to show that not everyone gets the same amount of coverage. I think especially for French riders, you have people like him and, and Baptiste Perion who are like always right there. And if they were Americans or, you know, Australians and stuff like that, then they would have probably gotten more coverage. I think it's probably changing now because like there's just so many talented riders coming out of France. Um, but man, yeah, like you know, Benoit definitely deserves that and just so, so good and so fast. I was, I was loving it. Yeah. And he was always mixing it up and beating the French guys at the French cups and all their races at home. So it was like, when, when's he going to put, I mean, he was always fast at the world cups done few top tens consistently top twenties, but he would go and beat Amari and beat Remy and Loic and Loris at a French cup by like a couple seconds. And then, um, it seemed like the world cup, he, he hadn't quite figured out his program to put the same run together. And, um, and it was cool to see him get up there yesterday. And I think he'll, uh, he'll take confidence from that and, and, and hopefully be there more often as well. Yeah, definitely. It'd be good to see. And then let's, let's talk about Troy Brosnan. I mean, He's well known for his consistency, but last season it was probably one of the worst he's had for a while and the performance didn't seem to be quite what what we would expect from him. And he's gone away, he's made a fairly significant amount of of setup changes and and done a lot of work on the bike with his mechanic Aaron in the off-season. Apparently there was a shim change they made in the rear shock which really helped um, start unlocking things for him. But, I mean, that's a pretty faultless weekend, right? He's taken the maximum amount of points away He's done it with a big smile on his face, a whole heap of confidence. 
he's dangerous this year, eh, Elliot? Yeah, he is. Um, it's. I think the Troy that we know is is kind of. Um, I think he's always kind of like had this battle mentally where he it's kind of like, what do I do to hit that next, that last gear? Um, there was a couple of times in, in 19 where he was like, man, I went for it. Like I thought that that was a winning run. Um, like, I don't, I don't know what, what to do where I'm like second and third all the time. Like, how do I get this last, you know, little bit of time to make it, make that jump to the lead. And, and this year, I think he's just such a workhorse, like always testing, always training, like always trying to find like the last little bit of time. And, uh, I remember in an interview at the end, he was like, (laughs) they asked him like, yeah, like, you know, you're normally a consistent guy. And he's like, I'm done with consistency. (laughs) And, uh, so, I mean, I guess the only consistency that he, uh, really is kind of, uh, focused on is, is winning everything, uh, during the week. So I think he, he, he did his, he looked like himself riding consistently. You didn't see a mistake out of him and he just raised his game. Like he was had winning pace just like Amari, just like Tebow, but he didn't have a mistake like they did. He kept it together. He stayed focused. He carried the speed and he won. So I think it's like, as riders, like you kind of have stuff that your strengths and that you're good at and that are your style. And like his style is great. He's so consistent and doesn't make mistakes in his race runs. And I can understand how frustrating it's probably been for him to just that be slightly short every time over the past couple of seasons. But he, um, he just keeps doing that, doing what he's good at. And now that he's made a step up with his bike setup and speed and everything, Hopefully that'll be the same feeling of a run will be good enough to win. And, uh, obviously it was this yeah. week. Yeah. And I think that that is something to be said. I think he's going to be pretty dangerous this year because like Nico was saying, if he, he does look the same as he's always been, it's not like his riding styles changed or anything like that. So if he's made that step up and he's still, the same Troy Brosnan, like he's going to be super dangerous this year um, yeah. where it's like, you know, is he the guy that consistently wins now? It'd be good to see. We definitely, uh, definitely like to see that. He was using an O-chain device, which is one of these like um, chain ring things that isolate your pedal kickback to some extent. So you're not feeling that through the, through the pedals. Nico, you've had a bit of a play about with those. What, what are your thoughts on it? There's a few riders on them now. There's a lot more riders than you would expect on them. If you look at the bikes at the finish line, it seems like half the riders are using them. Um, And and it works differently on different bikes. Uh, Each design has more or less pedal kickback, as as you call it. Um, So what I've noticed from it is it just makes the bike feel smoother. It takes harsh edges off. Um, It's hard to say that it's absolutely faster but it's a more comfortable feeling. And I think the only time it would be a negative is if there's a lot of uh, spots where you need to take one or two pedal strokes. Cause once you have the thing engaged, it's kind of like, it feels weird when you first go to pedal. Cause there's a lot of, um, 
like there's a big gap between when you push on your pedal and when it engages. But once it's, once you hit the engagement, it's solid. So for a long pedal, it's totally fine. But if there was like a spot, a track where you had to take one pedal out of a turn or two pedals here and there, it, it might be a little bit of a hindrance in that situation. But honestly, most of the world cup tracks these days, you don't pedal much. Like you just tuck in the fast sections. And, um, if that thing can, can take some of the pedal kickoff. And I think the Canyon might have more than my bike or, or other bikes, then there's no reason not to use it. You're not really giving much up. So, um, it also gives the riders confidence. It makes the bike feel smoother. And a lot of times you hit a bump and it just feels different and feels smoother. That makes you feel like the bike's working better. So, um, yeah, a lot more people than you think are using those things and they, and they're pretty cool. People should try yeah. try them for themselves. And that's a, a track, certainly in the woods, where you've got a, quite a few sort of relatively slow speed, fairly big drops going on, I guess, which is where pedal kickback is something that you, you're more likely to feel because there's a it's down to the speed that the rear wheel is turning at as well, I think, as to how much you feel it, right? Uh, I think it's the speed that the rear axle is moving. So how much the uh-huh. chain is tensioning as it's going through the travel. And if it's the rear axles moving quickly, it's, it's tensioning a lot more than if you're a slow speed impact where I noticed it was like in high frequency chattery bumps, the bike just felt a lot more free and it honestly felt like it had a lot more grip. Um, and it might just have been a feeling of that, but, uh, with that thing on, it just felt like the bike could track better and the suspension wasn't pound up. So um, I, I didn't, I needed to do like some timed runs back to back, which I, I never really had the chance to do. I raced with it at a couple races last year. I raced with it at Maribor because once it was like muddy and then dried out and there was a bunch of like breaking holes that were now dry. And I thought the thing worked pretty good through there and there wasn't much pedaling on the track. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool idea. And the guy that designed it, it's an Italian company. He was here at the race this weekend, support. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys using them. They're, I think for downhill, they work well. And um, I'm not sure about enduro. I think a lot of guys do use them for enduro. But yeah. for, for World Cup downhill, they're definitely pretty cool. Cool. Nice one. I, I want to, um, I guess, put a special mention out for Brooke McDonald's performance this weekend. Like, it really does look like that guy is back on the on the pace of the very top riders, which, considering where he was, you know, a year and a bit ago, that's just, it completely blows my mind. And also, that gap out of the tunnel onto that board corner was, uh, I've seen it, I think it was maybe Wynn did it a couple of years ago, but, I mean, that was so cool. Like, just seeing him, so lit, so committed. That was that was awesome, eh? Yeah, super, like so cool. Be good to see how he gets on the rest of the season because uh, I'm, I'm hopefully he's, again he's taking some confidence from from those times. Yeah, I was um, I, I was up at a uh, time training and I was right behind him when we did our time training run, and it was cold and raining, and I was kind of like, oh, here we go into this gnarly track, like a little bit not in the best mood for it maybe. And then I saw Bulldog just come out of the gate, drop a gear and absolutely rip the first two turns in the rain. And I was like, 
All right, here we go. Like now, now I'm fired up. Like this is super cool. <laughs> but you're right. Like last year, it was like cool that he made it back racing because after the injury he had, it was super serious about him even being able to walk again right afterwards. And then he had like made the big comeback to be able to ride a downhill bike and race a World Cup again was amazing in its own right. But you could tell he was kind of stiff and not riding like himself like he wanted to. But to see the improvement that was made between the end of the season last year and this race was he was proper bulldog riding like himself again, which was super cool. It must feel so good to have gone through all that and then finally feel feel like you're back. Yeah, awesome to see. And then Helium Vibes to Charlie Harrison. It's a track that doesn't uh, doesn't seem to treat that guy very well. I think he, it looked like he picked up a broken arm in uh, in qualifying, I think. Is that is that right? Yeah, he did. He uh, came off that big plunge and went kind of over the bars into a tree. And he showed me his x-ray. He had a clean, clean break of his radius, kind of in the center of the bone. He's going to go home and get it plated. I think he's on his way home today. Um, but that's kind of a best case scenario is you can break a bone in the center of the bone, clean fracture and get it plated. Then it's like, ah, it's straightforward. It's going to take probably eight weeks a month and uh, eight weeks or two months. And then it's going to be a hundred percent again. It's not like a complicated thing. So definitely a bummer for him that he's had a, an injury in the first time session of the year, the past two world cup seasons. That's just a bummer. But um, at least it's a straightforward injury that he'll be back from and ready to ride the the end of the season. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. All right, Elliot, where's the Lit Kit Award going? Ah. I thought that I thought that pink that Tani was wearing was really good. And then yeah. I thought the uh, the gold, like shiny gold on the back of the uh Council Muckoff team was like a really nice touch um yeah so goes to tani but honorable mention to the muckoff team <laughs> nice one and then you guys are off to crankworks innsbruck right that's uh that's coming up pretty soon yeah headed there tomorrow um so we're, elliot and i are actually doing the podcast in the same hotel room right now i'm upstairs so that he can't hear me but um yeah we're both headed to innsbruck tomorrow and hanging out the this week and and racing this weekend right elliot you're racing this weekend yeah i think so um you're on the start list i'm on the start list i am gonna do i'm for sure gonna do whip off and um do practice and like see how i feel i don't want to uh you know embarrass you too bad but if i'm uh riding too well i <laughs> opt out and give you a bloody chance when was your last race uh oh it's been a while now actually i guess it was 2019 um that would have been crankworks whistler i got top 10 actually i think there excited or nervous how do you feel about getting back between the tape after so long yeah it's sad like i was gonna i was planning on like training and stuff like that and then it just like never happened I was like, <laughs> like, gotta, like normally I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, got to get back into it. Like, you know, get training and stuff. And then, um, I remember getting on the plane and I was like, huh, I guess, uh, I guess I didn't, uh, 
actually end up happening. So, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I definitely want to like get some riding in. I'm going to go and do some, do some riding there, do some riding like after that week after, I think, um, in Europe here, some downhill in and like maybe try to get more prepared for end of season for like Crankworks New Zealand. Uh, cause I love that V10. Like I, it's so, so good. Like so much better than like any of the downhill bikes I've, I've ridden so far. And, uh, yeah, I want to try to see what she can do. Sweet. On for the win. Job done. Yeah. What can you do? They got Jody splits at this race, so you can just show us your speed halfway down the track, and and if you get tired, then just blame it on that. Yeah, actually, <laughs> though, like I think, I think, like if I, like I will probably get tired about a quarter of the run. Like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I feel like I'm like a normal person now, where, um, I really, it's so humbling to get on a downhill bike, and you know try to ride fast because you just get so tired. It takes so much strength, um, so much focus. Like it really is hard. <laughs> it's like such a hard sport. Uh, but I've been watching a lot, so I think I can do it. Yeah, it's true. It's not like something where you're like, Oh, it's only a three minute race. Like how can you get that tired that you can only do a quarter of the run? But it, um, it takes so much strength to ride these tracks, like to hit these compressions and these holes, you have to be able to, to drop into it with a lot of G force and hold your body up and propel the bike forward out of it. So it's not just something that's like, Oh, you only need to hold on for a couple of minutes. It's like super high power that you have to have to, <laughs> to get through this stuff. Nice one. Well, I'll be watching the live feed Elliot and uh, see how you get on. Hopefully we'll see you in the finals. You know, I appreciate that. Appreciate Are you going to be doing the whip off with cool. slippers right, should... again? <laughs> you need to do the whip off where are you at i'll I've do the whip off your... if you do the downhill <laughs> uh, sounds like a fair deal <laughs> that is a fair deal that's a fair deal Jeez. <laughs> nice one well i hope you guys have, a, have an awesome week and uh and you're on i guess from there into to leger in a couple of weeks time so look forward to to seeing some more awesome exciting world cup racing I hope you have a good uh, a good few weeks in Europe and get some good riding in and, and crank works goes well. Yeah. And thanks thanks for sitting down and chatting. It's been, as always, a lot of fun and really interesting to to hear your guys' thoughts and find out a bit more about what went on. So yeah, I think the listeners will appreciate it and thanks for your time. Thanks so much. I uh yeah, I'm looking forward to uh getting back on the podcast after Leger. Oh, I'll be commentating in Leger as well with Rob. Sweet. So make sure you tune in. Um, give me some feedback. Watch me be super nervous. Nah, you'll be good, man. You'll be all good. Cool. Thank you guys for listening. Nice one. Cheers. All right, that's it for this episode with Elliot and Nico. I really hope you've enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to PNW Components. They've got stock of their range handlebar ready and waiting for you over at pnwcomponents.com. So if you're in the market for a new bar that works perfectly with the geometry of a modern bike, then the PNW range handlebar is the one for you. Also, a massive thank you to Muckoff for supporting this episode. Don't forget to enter our competition to be in with a chance of winning an awesome Muckoff bike-specific pressure washer. Head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash Muckoff now. That's M-U-C-O-F-F. Muckoff are also offering all downtime listeners 20% off. And all you need to do is to use the code downtime20 at the checkout on muckoff.com. 
That's downtime, all one word, all uppercase, followed by the number 20. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, you can get your hands on some of our merch at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the show. You know what to do. Please keep on spreading the word about the podcast. Tell your rider mates, share the episodes. It makes a massive difference and it helps me keep this thing going. All right, there's going to be another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride. (laughs) 